Welcome to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. I'm your host, Gwen DeSelm, and I'm so grateful to be able to share this time with you. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a weekly blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Well, in the first episode of this series, we learned a simple question that can help us evaluate every decision we make in every arena of our lives, whether it's our finances, our relationships, our schedule, or our careers. And that question is this, is this wise? Today, Dave is going to take that question and expand on it, giving us three different perspectives that can help us to be wise in our decision-making. Here's Dave. This idea of decision-making is what we've been involved with beginning last week, and by the emails I've received from many of you and by the comments I've received from others of you, you're interested in this. The idea that perhaps you can make better decisions in this next season of your life than in the former season of your life is one that brings the crowd in like the kind we have today. We want to do better. We'd love to make better decisions because we know something intuitively. Your life is made up of the individual decisions you make on a daily basis. Your life is made up of the individual decisions that you make on a daily basis. When it's all said and done, who you have become and what you will have done and the legacy you leave is going to be because of the decisions you made throughout your life. We make decisions all of our lives, we make decisions every day. There was a guy named Dr. Eric Klinger of the University of Minnesota who did a remarkable survey in which he said, every one of us makes between 3,000 and 17,000 decisions every day. You knew you were tired, didn't you? You have to make between 3,000 and 17,000 decisions every day. They hit us as soon as the alarm clock goes off. We have to decide whether we're going decision one. Will I punch the snooze or get up? For some of you, that lends itself to some other decisions. How many times can I punch the snooze and still get to, earth, get to work on time? Other decisions quickly follow. Can I get away with not washing my hair because I punched the snooze alarm? What will we wear? What will we eat for breakfast? What route will I take to work? Where will I go for lunch? Who will I have lunch with? Will I answer that email? What will I have for supper? Have you noticed how many decisions are what I'm going to eat? Decisions, decisions. What will we have for supper? Will I watch TV after supper? If so, what show? When will I go to bed and will I have milk and cookies before I do? Decisions, decisions. Now, most of us handle those decisions with relative ease, hundreds of them, thousands of them every day. But typically, life presents us with high-level decisions that really will alter the trajectory of our future, and they give us cause to pause. Will I go to college after high school or enter the marketplace immediately? If I go to college, what school should it be? What career path will I choose? Who will I marry? And if I get married, the questions come faster than ever. What kind of car should we buy, new or used? Where should we live? Should we rent or should we buy? Should we have children? If so, how many? What will we do if the corporation asks us to move? Will we relocate? 
What if we're asked to relocate closer to my mother-in-law? Will we relocate? (laughs) Questions, questions, questions. There's not a one of us here who doesn't face all kinds of decisions. And again, we find ourselves going, oh my, my life is going to be based upon these decisions that I make. And I don't want to make bad ones. Which causes me to smile at the story of the young executive who wanted to make good decisions. So we decided to talk to the crusty CEO, a successful businessman in his corporation. He was granted a few minutes. He said, sir, I just have a few questions. What is the secret to your success? To which the older man said, success, young man, success. Two words, good decisions. Okay, sir, I appreciate that. May I ask another question? How does one make good decisions? Good decisions, young man, one word experience. One more question, sir. Just how does one get experience? Experience, young man, two words, bad decisions. (laughs) And to be sure, the school of hard knocks does give an education, and many of us can say it was because of the bad decisions I made that I learned a lot, but they can be very expensive, can't they? Very expensive. And I don't have the time or the effort, and I don't want to pay the cost for making every decision based upon the school of hard knocks. So how do you make good ones before they bite you? That's the purpose of this teaching. God's word speaks about wisdom much. Gwen alluded to the book of Proverbs, and that whole book is dedicated to it that many of you are reading through in the month of January just to get a sense of the wisdom that God offers. I love how it says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For you who are still grappling with the claims of Christ, you need to know He personifies wisdom. God is the fountainhead of wisdom. You get to know God, or let me put it this way, the more you get to know God, the wiser you become. The wiser you become. The Apostle James, certainly a student of the book of Proverbs, wrote this in his New Testament epistle. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Boy, that's a lot of stuff right there, friends. Every now and then I talk to people and they say, I wish I knew what to do. I wish I knew what to do. I wish I knew what God's will is. I wish I knew how I could make a smart decision. Let me ask you a very basic question. How much time do you really spend asking God? I mean, really. Really? We say we want to be wise. We say we want to know wisdom. How much time do you really spend asking him, seeking him? And how much space have you made in your life to listen to him? God promises to give wisdom. Sometimes he gives wisdom from his word. And the more you're in the word, you go, oh my, that just answered my question. Sometimes he gives wisdom through what I call thoughts or impressions. The simplicity a way that by his spirit, he seems to give a thought. Be careful. Don't. Wait. Stop. Now it's time. He gives the thoughts or impressions. If we take the time to seek and give the time to listen. Many times he gives insight through godly people. His people. It says this in Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. If you spend time with short-sighted, self-centered people, they're not going to give you good advice. 
But if you spend time with people who you know have the long view, who you know have perspective from God, they can and will give you strong advice. So there's two good tips right there. Walk closely with God and walk close with God's people. But I'd like to suggest we need another filter as well. And the reason why is because we have this amazing ability, notwithstanding what God's word says, and notwithstanding what some of God's people say, toward self-deception. We are victimized by what I call the yeah buts. God says something in his word, or he says something through his people, and our first response is, yeah but. Yeah but, it's only this once. Yeah but, I haven't had any all week. Yeah but, it won't hurt anybody. Yeah, but I can afford it right now. Yeah, but I'll be careful. Yeah, but I can handle it. Yeah, but I'm different from everybody else. Yeah, but I know what I'm doing. And the yabbits end up biting us in the... <clears throat> in light of this, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and look at a filter that God gives to us. A simple filter that comes out of the context of practical advice. I told you last week, the book of Ephesians is wonderful in the first three chapters, giving us insight as to who we are. The second three says, now in light of who you are, how should you live? Don't live like you used to live because you're not the person you used to be. And after giving solid advice through chapter 4 in the first half of chapter 5, now he comes to the heart of chapter 5 and says this in verses 15 to 17. Be very careful then how you live. Underline the next six words if you haven't already. Not as unwise, but as wise. Live not as unwise, but as wise. That was the essence of the filter. Let me continue on for a couple more verses. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. The filter I gave you last week with thanks to Andy Stanley for the phrase is this. Simply, is it wise? Not can I afford it. Not is there room in the calendar. Not do I want to? Not even, is there anything really all that wrong with it? The question, is it wise? Is it wise? Now, I'd like to show you this thing has three different ways to be looked at. Three different ways you can ask this question that if you follow them would serve you well, not only in this year, but well beyond. Here's the first one in your notes. In light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? Philosopher George Santayana once said this, those who cannot remember the past are repeated, or are condemned, that is, to repeat it. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Or a paraphrase, those who do not pay attention to what got them in trouble yesterday are liable to end up in the same trouble tomorrow. Your past, your rearview mirror, this is so true on so many fronts. Let me give you an example. In this room, many of you are single. Many of you are single having gone through very painful relationships. And you find yourself asking this question. Why does every relationship end the same way? I have found that for most people, here's the answer. It's because it was begun in the same way. 
and it was conducted in the same way. And if you begin it that way, and if you conduct it that way, don't be surprised if it ends that way. And don't be surprised if that happens relationship after relationship after relationship. Because if you've always, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. In light of my past, in light of my past, what's the smart thing to do? You see, you have a past. I have a past. Because of that, there are unique things that I can't do that you can do. And there are some unique things that you can do that I dare not do. I'll give you another example. There are some of you that should cut up your credit cards and never use another one the rest of your life. That doesn't make you an evil person. It simply says this. You realize in your past, I get in trouble on credit cards. I just do. Now, for me personally, I can use credit cards. That doesn't make me better than you. That simply means I don't have that part of my past. I've got other stuff in my past, but not that one. So you've got to think financially. If I want to have a financial future, if I want to have a solid future, I've got to think in light of my past, is it smart for me to have credit cards? As it relates to your social life, in light of your past, there are some places that you have no right to be visiting. You know you should not be there. Others maybe can go there. You can't because you know of the temptation. You know of the memories. You know of the baggage. You know of the relationships that are still there. Can't go there. Speaking of relationships, in light of your past, there are certain kinds of people you know you can't be around. Can't be around those people anymore. Maybe others can be around them, but I know what those people do to me. I know how those people affect me. Can't do it. Can't do it. When you look at your life through a rearview mirror, amazing perspective can be seen. In light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do financially, relationally, professionally, spiritually, maritally, parentally? You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will continue with the rest of his message in just a moment. But I want to make sure to take this opportunity to give credit to Pastor Andy Stanley, whose book, The Best Question Ever, served as a major resource for this series. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, and you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love to get your feedback, so leave us a review. And we'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating. And then share this podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to support us in this ministry, go to davedeselmministries.org and click on the Donate button. In addition to this podcast, Dave DeSelm Ministries offers other resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as devotionals for everyday disciples. Each week, Dave delivers a devotional filled with inspiration from God's Word that will encourage you as you follow Jesus every day. Go to davedesoundministries.org and you can browse through the over 100 devotionals found there. You can also subscribe and we'll send each new devotional directly to your email inbox. Now let's get back to Dave and the right questions for making wise decisions. Second question. In light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my current circumstances, 
Life is seasonal. That is to say, there are certain things that are unique to you at this age, at this place in your life, that aren't unique to those who are younger or older, or married or single. It's seasonal to you. It's unique to you. Let me use the example of relationships. There are some of you who have had your heart broken, and you know what the tendency to do is relationally. When your heart is broken, you long to have someone fix it. So you find yourself running to another relationship before the name of your ex is even out of your phone bank. What typically happens? Your heart gets broken again. It's called the rebound effect. You aren't healed. You've not gained perspective. You've not listened to God. You've not learned from your mistakes. All you know is you want to be held again. That is why the divorce rate for second and third marriages is nearly double the divorce rate for first marriages. Because people enter into them not thinking, in light of my current circumstance, is it wise for me to enter this relationship? I'm not saying that you shouldn't enter another relationship. I'm simply saying, in light of where you are currently, should you? In light of my current circumstance, is it wise? Is it wise? I'll give you another example. I have no problem with women working outside the home. We have many women on our staff who do a wonderful job in their wives and their moms. But the question I think that every couple has to ask is this, especially if they have kids. In light of our current circumstances, is it wise at this time for both of us to work outside the home? Is that wise? When Gwen and I were newly married and the kids came along, the answer for us in that question was no, it's not wise. And so we downscaled. We drove a Volkswagen for 15 years, and we lived on one income because for us, the question was, that probably wouldn't be wise for us. Now the kids are grown and gone. Gwen's in the marketplace working here at the church, and it is wise for her to be working outside the home. You see how it's unique to your situation? There are some of you who say, well, my, my situation is different. I know that. I'm just simply saying, ask the question. Ask the question, is it wise? Is it wise? There are some of you who are retired now. You've got all kinds of decisions to make. In light of your current circumstance, what's the wise thing to do? You may say, the wise thing to do is to play golf 365 days a year. That'd be the fun thing to do, maybe. Is it the wise thing to do? You have between 5 and 15 years left. You have the experience, you have the time, you have the strength, you have the potentiality to have the greatest impact for Jesus Christ in these years as ever before. Is it wise to spend all of it on the golf course? Is it wise to spend all of it traveling the world with a bumper sticker, I'm spending my kid's inheritance? (laughs) Is it wise? Is it wise in light of the fact that you will face Jesus Christ and he will say to you, what did you do with the last 10 years of your life I gave you? And he's not going to say, what was your handicap? What's wise? When you ask that question, I told you you're going to like it. Everything changes. Third question. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my future hopes and dreams, if I were to ask you to envision your life 10 years from now, can you do that? I'm not going to say turn the person next and tell them how old you're going to be, but 10 years from now, What is your dream of where you will be financially? 
What is your dream of where you will be parentally with your kids? What's your dream for your marriage 10 years from now? What's your dream if you're single as it relates to your relational world 10 years from now? What's your dream for your health 10 years from now? What's your dream for the legacy that you will have created 10 years from now? What's your dream? We all have hopes and dreams, but I'm going to give you some bad news this morning. Very few people's hopes and dreams ever come true. And to be sure, there are twists and turns in life that affect your hopes and dreams, but the vast majority of people's hopes and dreams, whether with their resources, with their health, with their kids, with their marriage, or with their legacy for Christ, never happens. And the reason why is, are you ready for this? They rob themselves. Because they do not live in the present with the dream in mind. Too much overeating, too much overspending, too much drinking, too many missed classes, too many shallow relationships. You know as well as I do, people who did not, who forfeited their future dreams because of one night, because of a weekend, because of a hobby, because of a thrill. They forfeited their future dreams because of their present decisions. The other side is no less true, friends. Failure to think strategically. Failure to plan financially. Poor prioritization of your kids and your family. Little investment in your marriage. No eternal perspective. Lousy eating habits. A lack of exercise. Carelessness with spiritual disciplines. I'll say it again. The choices that you're making today, you will live in light of 10 years from now. And 10 years from now, you'll look back with either regret or with joy going, Oh, I am so glad that I made that investment. I am so glad because look at now how I'm living. Or you will look back and go, I can't believe 10 years have gone by and none of my dreams came true. Short of winning the lottery, your financial future will be determined by today's financial decisions. The health of your marriage 10 years from now will be determined by the decisions you make this year with your spouse. Things you decide to do, things you decide you won't do. The relationship you have with your children 10 years from now will be built by the relationship with your children now. Poor decisions in the present. Thing is, you don't have to be middle-aged to come to grips with that. All of us now are grappling with, go back 10 years. Did you have dreams 10 years ago? Did they come true to where you are today? We go, oh man, it went so fast. It went because of daily decisions that you made or didn't make. So let me just ask you, in light of where you want to be financially 10 years from now, what's the wise thing to do with your spending habits now? What should you not buy? Where should you invest If you're single and you hope that in 10 years to find that special someone, what is the wise way to conduct your relationships now? What is your plan to become the type of man or woman that that special person would even want to be in relationship with? What's your plan? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. If you're married and you'd like to beat the odds of divorce that are so high, 
In fact, if you want to be more happily married 10 years from now than you are today, what's your plan? How do you plan on getting there? What decisions are you going to make every week in light of that? What precautions are you going to need to take? In light of the values that you want your kids to personify, to live by 10 years from now, personal values, moral values, spiritual values, what are you doing today that will instill those values in your kids? Are you discipling your own children? Are you modeling something in front of your children? Are you teaching your children? See, we don't think like that. And 10 years from now, we think, oh, my daughter doesn't know how to cook. Seriously. My son doesn't know how to turn a screwdriver. My children don't know what it's like to serve the poor. My kids do nothing but get money and spend money on themselves. Where'd they learn it? We are making our future today beyond your world here. What about your world there? There's not a one of us here who wouldn't like to think, I want my life to count after I'm gone. I want to leave a legacy for Christ. I do. So what am I doing with my time and my talent and my treasure which will outlive me? It's not enough at 80 years old to regret that I wasted my one and only life on this world. Not when I have to face Jesus. And he says, it's all burned up now. It's all burned up except that which you did for eternity. Live wisely. In light of my past, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my present circumstance, what's the wise thing to do? And in light of my future hopes and dreams for this world and beyond, what's the wise thing to do? If you can answer that question, you're on your way to living a life of wisdom. Thank you so much for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.